With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad. I'll lift up my eyes. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We are together today on November 1st, 2020, um, studying uh, the Gospel of John concerning the Messiah of God, which I believe is the theme uh, of the Gospel concerning the Messiah. We're in episode number eight, and we're not very far along as far as uh, verse by verse, but... Uh, We've had uh, much conversation and I think some very good study. Um, we're in the third chapter, though, uh, so we're we're moving along. But this chapter is going to take a while because, uh, you know, most uh, uh, most folks uh, think about John chapter three verse sixteen, and um, they really don't do much with either side of it. Uh, but believe me, there's a lot to it, leading up to it. And um, uh, what is before and, and after John 3.16 gives the true meaning and understanding 
of John 3.16, I believe. Without it, we've uh, entered into uh, kind of the mystical look at uh, how, what God is doing amongst men. But there's a real reason for it. <clears throat> we welcome you today. We're so glad that uh, you're either tuning in live or you're uh, going to uh, take this study at a more convenient time for you. Um, but this being November 1st, you'll know when it is in, in this series. But in John chapter 3, Jesus teaches the teacher of the Jews. Uh, and he, what does he teach him? The reality of the kingdom of God. And other things, the, the real aspects of it. Um, you know, it's easy to talk about the kingdom of God, but what indeed is it? How is it made up? What is the reason for it? Um, what is the entrance into it? And, you know, all of the different things. Well, Jesus knows well. Nicodemus did not. He had a thought. He had a number of thoughts. You know, what Jesus said was not a riddle or a mystery, but I believe he spoke pure logic and truth of God's method of keeping his promise to Abraham. You know, the Jews always go back to Abraham. Well, that promise goes back to Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham, and that promise was that the covenant people, the descendants of Abraham, would be sons and daughters of the king. That was a real promise that they would have a one-on-one -on -one relationship rather than going through the, the, the law, the priests, and the system that was in place at the first, uh, after Abraham through Moses. These were, this was the promise made to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is what the Jewish people were waiting for if they were aware of that promise, and I, I'm sure, like most folks, even today, uh, we're not aware, really, of the things of God uh, as we should be. When we become aware of those things, then we are, are drawn to uh, studying and taking in everything we can, and that's what the, these scriptures really bring us to. So... Nicodemus was shocked by every word that Jesus said to him. And he had heard him before. He, he may have even seen some of the miracles, but he was assured of it. He knew that Jesus had been sent by God. That's about as far as it went. But that really was something that caused him to go in the evening and go and, and go to where Jesus was staying all these things that Nicodemus had to find out, this was a real effort on his part. This was Nicodemus seeking the things of God. And that's to his credit. But how was this promise to be fulfilled? How was it to occur? Was it going to be another war? Or the dispelling of the Romans from their lands, their latest conqueror? No. They were to be born from above. 
That's what Nicodemus heard. Born from above. Born anew. Reborn. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. They were to be born from above, reborn. Their spirit and their minds were made new by the God of heaven. But they must join themselves with the Christ for this to become for this to be accomplished as Nicodemus finds out just a little later on in the chapter this is God's plan this is God's way of reconciliation this is the promised messiah from from Genesis chapter 3 this is the fulfillment that Nicodemus is hearing in his own own time. Um, it just, you know, if you think in the way that I'm proposing, you're, you're tying all of this together. It's the narrative, God's narrative of, of his workings amongst men. And a lot of history and a lot of things happen between that promise that God, uh, God, or actually the declaration, not a promise. God made a declaration to Adam and Eve that there would come a redeemer, there would come one that would uh, would take away the curse that had fallen upon Adam and Eve because of their uh, lack of faith. But Nicodemus the Pharisee was at a loss for words at these words and comments of the teacher, Jesus. And, um, you know, the text itself proves why he was at a loss of words and why anyone would have been at a loss of words at that very moment, except for the one standing before him. He wasn't at a loss for words at all. But it, the just the... The attitude and the the conversation, the way that Jesus talks to Nicodemus, I think is a great uh, great insight for us when we're trying to explain God's word to other people. You know, how did Jesus treat Nicodemus? Did he make him, make him sit down and sit on his hands and close his mouth? You know, uh, or did he treat him with the respect that Nicodemus, um, by the way Nicodemus was dressed, you know, he, he, he deserved certain respect amongst his, his people. Now, Jesus didn't violate any of that, but he, he did talk to him, but he didn't, he didn't, um, uh, he didn't in any way cause Nicodemus to think that in any way Jesus was was unsure of what he was saying. And I think that is so so important. And it, I think it helped Nicodemus a lot because we know later on Nicodemus was uh, very well convinced of who Jesus was. And um, we don't know anything about what Nic- happened to Nicodemus after. There's, there's some... Um, Oh, there's some stories concerning Nicodemus, but we we can't. They're not scriptural, and we can't trust them. Uh, you know, this sort of thing makes for a an exciting adventure, but it may not be true. 
We don't know what happened to him. Um, you know, Liz, I really I think that conventional thought suggests that it, he probably went scurrying back to his you know scriptures and was rereading them and and you know if he would have been attacked by Jesus like you said if he wouldn't have been treated then he probably wouldn't have done that but he still had to be convinced he was already convinced of you know you know part of it because of the miracles but the born again part seems like he was chewing on for a while that's right that born from uh, born from above what does that mean you know of course, he deals with like a normal person would. He starts with the physical level. But I, what I, I think would be very interesting is what Nicodemus went back and told his friends. We know that there were some other of the Pharisees that were very interested in Jesus. Um, we know at least one, you know. Uh, so, uh, and we read about him... Uh, during the time of the crucifixion, yes. Yes. but nonetheless, uh, I want to I want to get us caught back up and look at these verses again. We're going to take off on verse five, but I think I'd just like to go ahead and read it from the start again, so we're fresh. Uh, one through nine. Give it. Give you that that look at it again. Um, and there was a man of the Pharisees, Nicodemus his name, a ruler of the Jews. This one came unto him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we have known that from God hast thou come, a teacher, for no, for, for no one these signs is able to do that thou doest, if God may not be with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say, unto thee, if anyone may not be born from above, he is not able to see or understand the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How is it a man able to be born being old? Is he able to into his womb of his mother a second time to enter and to be born? Jesus answered, by the way, Jesus really didn't answer that question. Because of the answer, of course, we don't, he didn't have to. But here's what he said in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, If anyone may not be born out of water and spirit, he is not able to enter into the reign of God. You think Jesus was now, I, I think, here's what we have to, he discounted the physical statement of Nicodemus and reinforced what he had just said a second time. Now the person is not able. And I think that really must, that would really catch the, the thinking of Nicodemus because that's the last position he thought he was in. Uh, in, within the realm of, of God. Verse 6, Jesus goes on to say, That which hath been born out of the flesh is flesh, 
And that which hath been born out of the Spirit is Spirit. Thou mayest not wonder that I say to thee, it behoveth you to be born from above. Verse 8. The wind bloweth where it willeth, doth blow, and its voice thou dost hear. But thou hast not known whence it cometh and whither it goest. Thus is everyone who hath been born out of the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How are these things able to happen? Now let me make a note on this this, uh, verse here. Nicodemus heard all these things, but he's asking the question, how? How are these things able to happen? See, doesn't he just prove exactly what Jesus just said in verse 3, where Jesus said to him here, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if anyone may not be born from above, he is not able or able to understand the reign of God, the the kingdom of God? Isn't, isn't this the proof of it? Because Nicodemus being very honest here, he doesn't know. So friends, let me, let me say, and because I want to emphasize what Jesus said, the idea of being born from above is not just a, a religious phraseology that we, that we kick around and, and use to make things sound spiritual. Now, I know that's how it's used a lot. But and it's usually quoted as born again, which is like being reborn, which is a good thought. But, but the, the truth of the matter is the proper Greek translation is born from above. In other words, this is the workings of God. And unless this has occurred to us, we are not able to understand the kingdom of God. Isn't that where Nicodemus was right then? He hadn't been born from above. I, I believe that Nicodemus was a righteous Jewish man, was a good man, an honest man, a, a lover of God, a lover of, of the system, the law. Uh, there's no question, uh, there isn't any reason for me to think otherwise. Not to mention the fact of, of who you were when you were born was a real big deal back then. That's right. A real big deal, especially in Jerusalem. He was the aristocracy of, of the Jews. That's right. And uh, But see, even though he had all of that, including his understanding of the scriptures, uh, the what we would call the Old Testament, uh, to a point, he was still unable to understand what Jesus meant by these things. He, this was his first entrance into it. And I think we need to not be harsh with him and not be harsh with anybody else, by the way, that for the first time really comes to, to actually hear this. It takes a while, friends. Uh, Believe me, uh, our, everyone's different. Our thinking, uh, 
we may be a very open person. We may come to things quickly, or we may be a lot more stubborn. And the older we are, the the more firm we are in our uh, our own little world view. But this is the view that Nicodemus came to hear. He came to hear what Jesus had to say, and boy, he got he got the the meat of it right right then right while he was there. But you know, Jesus didn't wasn't talking over his head. He was giving him the truth, the simple truth. And I think he had an understanding uh, that Nicodemus would, would look into it, that would try to understand it. Listen to Jesus. Hear more of what he said. Uh, and see what was happening. These things had not come to be yet. The kingdom had not come to fulfillment yet these things were in process uh, if you will so in in John let's just look quickly at the the verses 5 and 6 where we talk about um, water born out of water it's born out of um, Jesus is comparing that to and and talking about that along with um, Spirit, born anew, a man's spirit. Not um, A lot of our Bibles have the uh, definite article in front of the word here. I don't know where they get it. It's not in the Greek for a good reason. Because we're talking about the spirit that needs reborn. The spirit that needs to be born from above is the man's spirit, not, not, not God's spirit. Not the Spirit. Uh, John, uh, John chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus talking about um, the, the Spirit and God. Listen to what he says. God is a Spirit. And those worshiping him in spirit and truth it doth behoove to worship. What's Jesus saying here? Um, if you look at that in the Greek, it's not quite, uh, the, the de- indefinite article is not in there, for, but uh, God is spirit. See, that's the idea. The God spirit, Okay. That's the idea. The, the word is is not there. Uh, the, the A is not there. And we put it there because English speakers need some way to make it sound like it's a, a, a sentence or something being said. God is spirit. And that, by the way, friends, it's the same exact word. The same exact word if you want to look in the... the um, uh, Oh, Strong's, the Strong's number is 4151. It gives you all the long list of all about it. And it simply, it always begins the same way, a definition of this. God is spirit, and what's it mean? A current of air, breath, blast, or a breeze. By analogy or figuratively, a spirit. And then it goes into the, you know, human spirit and 
And then there's the spirit of other things. It's kind of the essence of, you know. So we got to, and that's what has complicates these verses for a lot of folks. Trying to, to sort out water, what kind of water, spirit, what spirit are we talking of? Verse 6, I got kind of a misnomer in my writing here in my outline where I put water again. But water, if you just look it up, is standing or flowing. It's liquid, okay? But is that what Jesus is talking about here? Born of water? Well, we know we're born of water in a physical way from our mother. We're also born uh, in the waters of baptism, born anew. That's where we're granted a, 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 a newness of, of our mind, a newness of our spirit. And then the, uh, the illustration there is that flesh begets flesh. In other words, flesh to flesh. We know that, sarks. That's the, talking about the physical body. It can also be talking about skin or, and th- a number of other things. But you know, flesh can be alive or, or dead, as far as that goes. It's temporary. And it's temporary, of course. It's physical as, as it's in its temporary nature, and, and spirit is not. And yeah. That's part of what, I mean, God, God always approaches man initially with a new idea in a physical way, because that's the only way man can understand. And here is Jesus talking to somebody mm-hmm. who's well-learned, who's yeah. well-learned and well-read in the ways of God, and he's, right. now he's getting the next lesson in the spiritual nature. Start, starting with the basics, so he doesn't leave anything out, right? All these things, water, being born of the mother's water, all the way through, flesh to flesh, physical body, but then the, the spirit, Jesus makes it clear in verse 6. Flesh is flesh. That which hath been born out of the spirit is spirit. It's still spirit. And um, what does it mean? Well, we just went over it. I just, it's it's the, the movement, a current of air, if you will. But it's known as the breath of God. And what's the breath of God? It's the Word, the Logos. The Gospel message is the, is the very breath of God. You know, um, someone once said if we would just replace the word spirit where we find it, when we feel it is, it's, a, it's associated to God, uh, we, re- we replace it with breath of God. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, I have a Bible that's, that's written that way. It's the breath effect of God. Breath effect by His Spirit. And there is certainly effect. I think, you know, uh, in 2 Timothy 3.16, in the NIV, I have it here. This is a 1983 revised version of the NIV. Uh, there's many revised ones, but I like how they, and this is a familiar passage, Second uh, Timothy 3.16. Don't mess that, mess that up with John 3.16. But 
where the apostle says to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God breathed. You see, that's the most of our Bibles use the word inspired. And that's true, too. And, and, and that's true. That's a word that we use to define this. But the God-breathed thing is the true essence of what the Scriptures are, the Word. What did Jesus say? He, your Word is truth. That's what Jesus said concerning his Father. Isn't that what the Scripture is? You know, within God's Word... We have recorded men telling lies, evil deeds being thought and done. But does that fall out of the realm of truth? Well, it isn't if it's in the narrative form, it, is it? It's not promoting it, it's revealing it. So we, we, need, to, we need to give the Scripture a fair shake. I think this is a great translation and uh, of the uh, idea of the breath of God. We must be very careful to attribute these words that we find in these passages, such as water, spirit, flesh, the spirit. We need to make sure we attribute them to who they truly represent and what they truly represent to understand as God would have us to do. I believe that Jesus said this in a way that it was not in any way confusing. Um, I think it was shocking uh, for Nicodemus to hear because it went against the physical situation that he lived in. A very, very physical covenant was the first covenant. Um, and the world he lived in. You know, these words of Jesus must not be misunderstood for any reason. There isn't one reason for us to twist or alter or somehow try to make this fit uh, what we always say, I've always been told or I was always taught. What we've always been taught means nothing if it's not absolutely true. And it's not saying anything bad about those that may have done the teaching because what were they always taught? You see, we ha we, but we're going to be held responsible for not only what we teach, but what we believed. So I think that's why this is so incredibly important. And I know that this entire passage is read in a way that uh, it can, it's a beautiful narrative, if you will. But, but let's face it, if we don't really get the intent of it, did it do us any good? And that's, that's what we should be concerned with. Now let's look at verses 7, 8, and 9. And... Verse 7, Jesus is making the point to Nicodemus. You see, this is a real conversation. Jesus isn't doing, doing this 
but he's planning on doing something else and he's trying to get it done, you know. No, no, this is a real conversation that has been recorded and put into our scriptures. That's something too, isn't it? It's here for us. He said, marvel not that it is that it is an advantage to you, Nicodemus, to be born from above. Now, I don't think Nicodemus would have been in any way uh, disagree with that, but he just didn't understand what born from above was really in, was really uh, what it really was or how it could really happen. Why? That's the question. He would say, why? But man's spirit needs to be made anew by the Spirit of God so that we can live in God's kingdom. You know, you ever remember that scripture in the Bible? We, we hear it quoted by, flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you know, that, that's actually in the Bible, and it's actually just as true as everything else in the Bible. Flesh and blood, in other words, these physical things are not, not what it is. That's how we live, but how about the idea of being born from above? That we can have, we're going to still be living in the flesh, but, but our citizenship has changed from earth to the abode of God. But that's what the Bible teaches. That's what the apostles taught the early church. And the reasons... For this, see, we're we're really thinking about, and Nicodemus was thinking about, you know, I can't imagine why something like this is now brought in, you know, but the reasons are God's alone, and I don't think we can analyze them. I think we need to be obedient to them, and that's that's another word that's going to come up. This word of believe, belief, believeth. That word, that word doesn't allow you to analyze the thinking of God to see if it's rational or not, or not enough for you. It's not to be altered, it's to be obeyed. Now, it does need to be understood, doesn't it? And in that understanding comes with the seeking of God and the being born from above so that we are able to understand the things of God. Verse 8, Jesus is supplying Nicodemus with a physical illustration of God's Spirit. You see, he's not just taking this off into the, the, uh, the heavenly realm, the spiritual thinking or the mind of Jesus and leaving Nicodemus behind in the dust. No, he's giving him here a physical illustration of God's Spirit and comparing it to the wind, which you see is, in the Greek meaning of the word, represents kind of the same thing. If they're used, they're used the, the same, and when we have it translated in our Bible, it, it's the same word. The wind that blows, that comes from nowhere and goes where it cannot be found. That's an illustration. Um, and that's what spirit is. I notice when you find the, uh, the, the word that we find in our translations, when they capitalize a word, 
it cements in our mind that this is a proper name. And in this case, it's the proper name for the Trinitarian uh, uh, concept of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what this is. Uh, and that's what, it, what all of our uh, capitalization is um, in the Bible. Sometimes it's fine, but who's going to draw the line? Who's going to say this word should be capitalized and the next person, no? It shouldn't be. Well, I mean, I know that it shouldn't be here. It's very obvious it shouldn't be. Is the wind a proper name for a divine entity? No. But this is an illustration, an analogy, if you will. And Jesus has given it to him. The wind blowing where it willeth blows. And its voice, by the way, you'll find no proper, no uh, pronouns in the Greek here, in this. In any translation, in any Greek that I've looked at, and I've got three different kinds. In nowhere, there's no variance. There's no, oh, it might be in there. It's not there, friends. It's not there. It's, it's the word, it's, is, it is put in, and even it's not there. But it's there to clarify the fact that it's an it, and, and it's not a, a, a pronoun uh, that it represents someone else. In this case, um, it represents the Trinitarian doctrine. And its voice thou doth hear. Okay, the wind blows, you hear it blowing, but thou hast not, not known where it came from. And whither it goeth, it blows and it goes off, and that's, that's the last you know of it. Somebody knows. God knows. Thus is everyone who hath been born out of the Spirit. See, now he brings it back to what he's talking about. Being born from above. Born anew. Born of the Spirit, by the will of God. Remember, we read the scripture. That's the first chapter of John. I forget which verse, but not born by the will of man, not born by the will of flesh, but born by the by uh, by the will of God and God alone. That's what the rebirth is. It's by it's 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 the workings of God. Uh, through the gospel, through the words of the gospel, through obedience to the gospel message as delivered by the apostles of Christ. In other words, believe, repent, confess the name of Jesus Christ as the Son, Son of the living God, be baptized into Christ that you may live, uh, that, that you may be in him and live a life for him. That's the gospel. And the gospel message is, is the word of God. It's from God. It's absolutely 100% true. It's God's way of reconciling man back to himself, 
after the the sin of Adam and Eve, where they they instead of believing what God said, they did what they thought they should do for some reason. To reconcile that departure from God's word. You see, God's word is not just, um, it, it's not a light thing. And that's what sin, sin is. Sin is the rebellion of, in one place in the Bible it says witchcraft. In other words, working against God. God says, don't eat from that tree. When you take something from that tree, are you doing the will of God or are you going exactly opposite? That's what sin is. And the sin problem needed to be rectified. Jesus is giving Nicodemus, he's just lifting the lid off of it a little so he can look into it and see the remedy for sin. The remedy that is so important. And I think this 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 uh, uh, passage is so important. And we have some good translations of this um, this verse. I'm 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 sorry that Young's has got it so wrong because he normally has it so right. But when we consider the power of of um, teaching. Uh, what they've always been told. Well, if you've been taught these things from your youth, and and um, uh, this is hard to to pull away from. <clears throat> but let's be loyal to God's word as it is written in the original form, and not try to uh, make a commentary out of it, which is what is done here when we use uh, pronouns representing. Uh, the Spirit of God. It doesn't say that. Thus, to be born from above is not of any man's doing or ability, but from God alone. From God alone. And then Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How are these things able to happen? I think that's just so powerful and so honest. And I believe that's what most people would have said, those that had an inkling as to what Jesus was talking about here. Nicodemus had not been born from above yet, and it was hard for him to understand this. And I think that's that's very important. Now, we got just a little time here. I want to go on just a little bit. Jesus answered... He answered Nicodemus and what he just said. How are these things able to happen? Jesus answered him with the answer that we need to give other people, except that this one refers to as someone who's a teacher of God's word. Jesus answered and said to him, Thou art the teacher of Israel, and these things thou dost not know. Now, that, that's quite a statement. By, by the way, that word no there is absolutely no. No for a fact. Why didn't Nicodemus understand this? You see, we know that there were some in Israel that recognized Jesus as Messiah. 
and probably because of their their study of of God's word and their ability to go and to take it all in and follow a narrative. And as as we had when we had our uh, the most I think the most revealing of that time is the, the the prophets of course prophesied of the end days of the Jews and all, but I think that's why Daniel is so important in the Old Testament. It starts with with the time period around 600 B.C., 609 or 604, uh, when the Jews are about to lose their land to the Babylonians. And it starts there and follows history all the way through to 70 A.D. for the Jews. The whole book is about your people, Daniel's people. And if, if the Jews would have understood this, and by the way, uh, reading Josephus, I believe that Josephus understood these things. He understood the different kingdoms that were being talked about. He understood he was living in that time period. We don't, we don't find him becoming a Christian, but that's beside the point. I'm saying as a Jew, you could understand and know these things. I think that's very important. Verily, verily, in verse 11, I say to thee, what we have known, we speak. What we have seen, we testify. Uh, And our testimony, you do not receive. What did Jesus say here? Well, it's, of course, it starts with the amen, amen. In other words, the absolute truth of what will follow. What we have known, we speak. And that, that known there is the, to have the full understanding. See, what they understand, they speak of. And what we, and the we here is Jesus and those teaching and going out and repeating what Jesus is, is having them say. What we uh, have seen, we testify. That includes Jesus. Jesus testifying to what he knows and what he sees. And, of course, he knows of the Father himself. He knows the reality of all things. He knows the minds and hearts of the men he's, he's standing amongst. And our testimony, you do not receive. Did you forget that Jesus knew the heart of Nicodemus? He knew his heart. He knew what he was thinking. He knew his strengths and weaknesses. And yet we find him nowhere in here criticizing him except for the fact that if he's a teacher of Israel, he should know these things. I think that's true. Now, we can say that. We can look on ourselves that way too, can't we? As a teacher of those in our sphere of influence, are we doing as we should or are we doing as Nicodemus did, leaving out the important things, not understanding what we're doing? That's kind of of thought-provoking, isn't it? But he had not received it yet. He had not received it, but he was certainly on his way. He was certainly seeking. He was certainly uh, 
Jesus was willing to speak to him. We'll start up again in this lesson in verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12 is where we'll, we'll pick up this lesson. We're out of time. There seems to be no place to stop. Um, with this lesson, it just runs together. And uh, next time we meet, we're going to be dealing with the word believing. If you want to jump ahead on me and find out what that word means in the Greek, um, I would encourage you to do so. But it's very powerful in the life of a Christian. It's very powerful in this text. And the reason people do not understand it as they should is they don't understand the, the full meaning or the importance of this Greek word, uh, believing. That's very close to the word faith, trust, believe, all of this sort of thing. Uh, all coming together here in this word. And there's one other word that goes with it. All of those words equal, if you will, the word obedience. That's the, that's the key. And that's what we'll look into here next time we meet. And we are so pleased that you have been with us today. We ask that you have a wonderful week ahead uh, as you uh, dedicate yourself to study as you do the, the Lord's work uh, where he has placed you. And we pray that uh, he will uh, shelter you and give you peace of mind as you are working for him. And we pray it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.